DW Africa Link when this jingle plays, you know exactly what time it is. Welcome to today's edition of Africa Link, bringing you the latest news from the continent straight to wherever you're listening from right now. I am Eddie Micah Jr. And I'm Zoya Fröhlich, and we are reaching you live on our Facebook page, DW Africa, and through our partner stations around the world. Tune in, share, and comment. That's right. Coming up on the program, at COP28, dozens of countries want to move from fossil fuels to renewable energy. But how easy is that switch for sub-Saharan Africa? Countries that do have a lot of fossil fuel uh, deposits, such as Nigeria, find it a little bit challenging to, to abandon an unavailable electricity means, you know, or supply of electricity to go entirely on renewables, although they are making progress in renewables. Well, fossil fuels or renewable energy. Cameroonians currently wonder how and where to get access to electricity at all due to constant blackouts. We have to move from house to house to look for uh, areas that have uh, solar, houses that have solar system where we can beg and charge our phones. The details coming right after the world's news in brief. DW News. Hello, I'm Keith Walker. Israel says its troops have entered southern Gaza's largest city. The military says it's targeting Hamas, classified a terrorist group by many countries. Hospitals inside the southern city of Khan Yunus have been overwhelmed by the number of dead and injured. A day after the UK signed a new asylum treaty with Rwanda, Home Office Minister Chris Philp told British state media how the new deal differs from the first one. The UK Supreme Court previously ruled against the government's plan to send asylum seekers to Rwanda to cut immigration. What we had before with Rwanda was simply a memorandum of understanding. What the Home Secretary signed yesterday was a legally binding full treaty. There are monitoring arrangements to make sure that is properly implemented, enhanced monitoring arrangements. An independent committee of, I think, eight people, including a leading KC, a former senior official from the UNHCR and others, to oversee the implementation of the treaty and make sure the terms are adhered to. Africa Link News comes to you from Germany's international broadcaster. D.W. Russian President Vladimir Putin has arrived in the United Arab Emirates for a rare trip abroad. It's his first time visiting the Middle East since Russia began its full-scale invasion of Ukraine. He's meeting UAE President Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed and will also travel to Saudi Arabia, where he'll hold talks with the country's de facto ruler, Mohammed bin Salman. Malala Yousafzai has urged the world to confront what she described as Taliban gender apartheid against women. Speaking in Johannesburg last night, the Nobel Peace Prize laureate urged the international community to take action to end Afghanistan's, quote, dark days. Women in Afghanistan right now are facing oppression. They are denied the right to education, the right to work, the right to hold positions in a government, the right to even see a doctor. And the government is oppressing them. So in this scenario, it's so important that we first recognize the level of oppression that's happening here. And a lot of the human rights experts have called it a gender apartheid. Yousaf Zai was awarded the Peace Prize in 2014 at the age of 17 for her fight for girls' education in her home country, Pakistan. 
Two years earlier, you may remember, she survived an assassination attempt by the Pakistani Taliban. That's an ally of the Afghan Taliban. Finally, Hollywood actors have voted to back a new deal with film and TV studios that looks set to bring a long-running and costly dispute to an end. Actors have been on strike for months over disagreements about compensation levels and the use of artificial intelligence. And that's the latest. I'm Keith Walker. You're listening to DW's Africa League program with me, Zaya Fröhlich. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. Welcome to you on our Facebook page, DW Africa. We welcome your comments on the stories we're covering. We'll be de- de- delving into them, Zelia. We always want to hear the thoughts of people. Yeah. Now, let's start at uh, this year's UN Climate Talks COP28. It's being held in major oil producing country, the United Arab Emirates. But a core issue being discussed is will COP28 produce the first global agreement? to face out fossil fuel use? Question hmm. mark. And more than 80 countries are pushing for a broader pact to phase out all CO2 emitting fossil fuels. Burning fossil fuels for energy is by far the biggest cause of climate change. Mm, yeah, however, Eddie, it is also the engine of modern life. Even with the growth of renewables, fossil fuels produce around 80% of the world's energy. And in sub-Saharan Africa, fossil fuels supply 79% of electricity, according to IMF. No easy switch, really. I mm. spoke to Chigozi and Weke Eze, CEO of Integrated Africa Power, an enterprise specialized in energy and infrastructures development on the African continent. I started by asking him where Africa currently stands in regards to access to electricity. The dilemma still persists, right? All the resources that one needs to achieve full electrification access is existing in African continent, uh, both renewable and non-renewable sources. Uh, in fact, the re- only the renewables alone could power the whole continent and have an access for export. Uh, but um, in the midst of all of these potentials, you still have more than uh, 650 million people uh, in the continent lacking access to electricity. Chigozia, where would you say are the trouble spots regarding providing enough electricity for the economy and society in sub-Saharan Africa? The very beginning... It was more of um, getting the right strategies, getting the right policies, getting the right models that work for the African continent particularly. But right now, in these times, we've passed that stage because many countries in Africa are now able to model and say this is this is how what our country looks like. This is what we need to solve this problem. You have to plan which energy source uh, or energy resource would be best to develop in that area of electricity supply, uh, be it renewable, decentralized, centralized. But what is lacking right now uh, is investments in the electricity sector. Now uh, you are facing a lot of uh, reluctance from investors uh, to come in. You still have huge financing gaps for these projects. But at the same time, capital-intensive projects are risky especially in the African continent context. So investors want to be sure uh, that they will get their return, but they may be having some doubts. I mean, of course, one of these risks is political risk, for instance, political continuity, possibility of change of governments and things like this that might potentially affect their, their agreements. But are there also success stories and innovations in regards to electrification? 
There's been a lot of success stories in terms of rural electrification with the solar home system, uh, which has now penetrated a lot of communities, right? And in African continent, uh, electrifying households, decentralized energy systems, mini grid systems as well. So there are some progress happening. There are also progress in large-scale renewable energy development as well. One country that stands out is Kenya, for instance, where you had significant electricity access deficit as of 2007. But by 2013-14, this figure has changed drastically. It's been said that COP28 must mark the beginning of the end of fossil fuels. What has been the progress made in Africa in the past year? Electricity access issues. Countries that do have a lot of fossil fuel uh, deposits, such as Nigeria, find it a little bit um, challenging to, to abandon an available uh, uh, electricity means, you know, or supply of, of, um, of electricity to go entirely on renewables, although they are making progress in renewables. It has become economically viable to invest in renewables. It's become clearly cheaper. Let's say the removal of subsidies in Nigeria, for instance, has led to uh, making solar home systems more economically viable for households to purchase and use. Technical supports are already going on. I mean, some supports are already going on in terms of policy, in terms of modeling. And lastly, how does the African single electricity market and the Continental Power Systems Master Plan help solve Africa's electrical problems? I think regional cooperation for solving Africa's electrical problem is a must. It is more efficient. It helps us to unlock economies of scale. And it helps to even attract more investment that we're talking about. Trying to solve the electric problem country by country would be more costly and less efficient. I was talking to Chigozi Nwekeze, CEO of Integrated Africa Power, and in our live stream on Facebook, we have Lambert Kevin commenting on this story, and he's saying climate change is real, but we are not serious in it. We are cutting down all trees and instead constructing houses, especially here in Cameroon. And Lambert Kevin, uh, we also still have a story coming from Cameroon in the program later, and we're really happy to have mm. you all commenting on our stories on our page DW Africa on yeah. Facebook, and um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have some more comments from there, Eddie. Yeah, we, we do. I mean, I think what, what I'm gathering from all of this is there's a lot of people, obviously, who know uh, the, the devastating effects of climate change. I mean, we see it. You know, we're talking about uh, drought. We're talking mm -hmm. about, you know, like intense heat. We're talking about too much rain. On the one hand, there's little or no rain. Then on the other hand, there's too much rain causing floods. Then diseases come out of, out of that. And, and it's all because of the effects of climate change. So we have our role to play. Yeah, but we also heard that it's like, really hard and it's not just I mean it's not just um, what happens with the climate right mm -hmm. it's um, you you have other issues that that stop that stop the development like security issues like countries yeah. have to become stable before investors are ready to actually invest into a country and that obviously can hinder the development mm. when it comes to example the electricity network. Mm. and you know it's 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 Zelia, it's, it's arguably the same COP28 that you expect. Different yeah. leaders uh, making different points. Now, let me get to this one. UN Climate Chief Simon Steele told countries on Wednesday to agree on taking ambitious action to tackle global warming at the COP28 climate summit rather than fall into the trap of point scoring and the, quote, lowest common denominator politics. In the meantime, the 
Emirati head of UN Climate Talks faced growing pressure Wednesday to steer nations towards a consensus as negotiations sparred over the thorny issue of fossil fuels. Because really, as we know, a lot of countries, including even here Germany, mm-hmm. they, they, they sort of did away with, you know, coal, right, for energy yeah. now. Germany is going back to coal for energy. So uh, we all have China, India, and a group representing Arab states. They've called for the deletion of an entire paragraph on an energy package, while Russia proposed adding text on gas as a transition fuel. So there's, there's, there's just... They are not on the same page, to say the least. Yeah, there are definitely a strong, like a a lot of very heated discussions going on there right now, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, let us know your thoughts on our Facebook page, DW Africa. We hear there's still a lot that can be done to make Africa's energy greener, but there are still too many who wonder whether they will have access to electricity at all. Like in Cameroon. Most neighborhoods and homes in Bamenda in the northwest have gone without electricity for months. Mm, the electricity providing company has repeatedly blamed the power blackouts on insecurity that makes it difficult for repair works to be done. From Bamenda, Cameroon, Jean-Marie Ngongsong reports how Cameroonians have to alter their diets and habits because of the blackouts. Parkets are a major problem in Cameroon and they affect every part of life. Be it that the corn needed to cook the Cameroonian local dish fufu can be grounded by an electric mule. Or that the dishes like koki and achu can be stored in the fridge because they end up rotten. Housewives like Frida and Dee now have to visit the market every day to cook because her fridge at home has become useless. You can't store anything in the freezer. You have to rush to the market and buy just what you can prepare at the moment. And uh, we have to move from house to house to look for uh, areas that have uh, solar, houses that have solar system where we can beg and charge our phones. Like Fridandi, Marie-Claire Ijungi is a family head in Bamenda who is hosting a breastfeeding mother. Local norms hold that the mother must eat her local meal multiple times a week to be able to breastfeed well. Marie-Claire Ijungi tells me about the extra mile she has to go to ensure that her guest can eat properly. In order to have the fufu corn, I call my mother from the village, which is kilometers away from the Bambili. She will grind the corn from there and send to us. Or at times I call my relatives from the city center and they grind the corn and send to us. I live with a breastfeeding mother in the house and it's a tradition to us in the corn community that she needs to at least eat fufu corn twice a week. But we end up eating rice, which is not actually good for her. And it's even something we don't like. Students are also not left out. Despite the insecurity in the region, students have to go out in most evenings to find a place with a generator or solar energy to power their phones so that they can study and communicate. Rachel Fongang is a student in Bamenda. Very tough, I must say, because it pushes you out of the house to, to check where there is electricity to charge your phones. And sometimes you go out of the school area because... In most cases, it affects everybody here. There's no electricity. Or the only option is using the generator to charge your phone, which is really not a safe one. With no improvement of the situation in sight, students are hoping that the power blackouts will one day become history and that they will not have to worry about their basic needs anymore.
Jean-Marie Ngong song with that report. And Celia, it's just uh, to take an extra note when we talk about climate change, you're talking about extreme weather conditions that it could even affect the supply of electricity for, for, for those that generate electricity from, from water sources, for example, if it's extremely hot, it mm. dries out, then where is most of your electricity coming from? So it, it all comes together for us to do all we can to protect the environment Otherwise, we're all in trouble, Zilia. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to tackle this issue from so many different, yeah. so many different points um, of view, and everybody can probably make a contribution. I yeah, mean, for sure. it's about all of us to to mm-hmm. chip in in that regard. And actually, Lambert Kevin is holding up the discussion here on yeah, our okay. um, live stream. Lambert mm-hmm. Kevin is um, commenting again. Even the capital city, this, in the capital city, the electricity is not stable mm-hmm. at all. And Kamayuku Frenjoy is also in our live stream and saying climate change is a big problem that the world needs a solution to. That is definitely right. There's more comments, uh, comments, I should say, coming through our Facebook page, TW Africa. In the Joel says, the situation is really bad. Michael Mukendi says, Africa will never learn how to separate uh, a country in the name of uh, languages. Okay, this is, uh, you, you, it's getting a bit complicated with this one, but basically you're saying more needs to be done to tackle this. And in the Joel says, uh, we need a complete stop of um, politics or policies that affect climate. Mm-hmm. Mickey No is also saying exactly many small-scale business owners are now baggers. Even some big businesses um, depending on electricity uh, and smart internet have closed down. Mm. 85% of youth and children have dropped out of school. We are going through hell here. Yeah, well, rather right unfortunate there, but this is exactly what we expect. Your comment on our Facebook page, DW Africa. That is right. And if you are just joining us, thanks for staying uh, tuning in and for those who are with us um yeah thanks for staying tuned <laughs> into dw's <laughs> africa link program my name is Zoya Fröhlich. i know the confusion you know trying to welcome <laughs> new ones and then telling those you know? that are still with us to <laughs> exactly. you know stay with us uh, well that was Zoya Fröhlich. i am eddie michael jr connect with us on our facebook page dw africa remember to like and follow the page also comment on the stories we're covering mm-hmm. still to come on the program malawi is on high alert as anthrax spreads from neighboring zambia but they are not doing enough vaccinate our animals or to say, can you go and buy this medicine or vaccination to prevent the disease? Control measures have to be put in our borders, especially these districts that are bordering Zambia. Mm. We'll get to that in a bit. But now let's go to Malawi. Well, that was actually in Malawi, but now let's stop in Sudan, where about 24 million people seriously need attention, Zilia. Aid mm-hmm. organizations called the humanitarian catastrophe unfolding in Sudan, the biggest forgotten conflict of our time. Fighting has driven 6 million people from their homes in recent months. In the Darfur region, the violence seems to be escalating with some even warning of ethnic cleansing. The UN World Food Programme has said it will have to slash aid going to Sudan because they can't raise enough funds internationally. This report by Anna Osius is now voiced by Jennifer Collins. The wind sweeps across the barren landscape in Chad's east, swirling up desert sand and tugging at the tarpaulins. <laughs> Women in colourful robes cook on an open fire in front of refugee tents. A tiny baby blinks in the bright sunlight. Pictures from the Reuters news agency show those who have made it out of Sudan's Darfur region. These families have fled across the border to Chad to escape deepening violence there. They are alive but they have nothing. 
a young mother called Iqbal, explains. My husband and I have four children. Life is really tough. We get a 10-kilogram sack of food a month, but that's not enough. It's simply not enough food. The need in the refugee camps is huge, but international aid organisations don't have enough funding to ease the humanitarian catastrophe. Chad alone is home to at least 800,000 refugees from Sudan, says Pierre Honorat from the UN World Food Programme. By December, there is no more assistance. We have no more. So we really need we really need an urgent funding for this crisis. It's urgent because we need time to purchase the food, to bring the food on the side, to bring the food at the border, and to make sure the people will get at least a meal a day, at least a meal a day. The troops of the two most powerful men in Sudan have been clashing for more than six months. On one side is the army general and de facto ruler of the country, Abdel Fattah Burhan. And on the other is his former deputy, militia leader Mohammed Hamdan Dagalo. Also known as Hameshi, he commands the Rapid Support Forces. Fighting is taking place all over the country, often in the middle of residential areas. Secretary-General of the Norwegian Refugee Council, Jan Egelen, says the situation is dire. The situation in Sudan couldn't be worse. It, it, it pains me that the world has overlooked one of the largest humanitarian catastrophe of our generation. ICE have been on Ukraine and on now uh, lately on Gaza for good reasons. But how come the world hasn't understood that six million people were forced out of, out of their homes in seven months? The situation is worst in Darfur, in Sudan's west. Militia leaders, particularly those in the Rapid Support Forces, are accused of carrying out brutal human rights atrocities. Echoing the 2003 ethnic cleansing in Darfur, says Egelin. And we're now doing also work in Darfur, where a tremendous ethnic cleansing campaign is taking place. I remember when I was in the United Nations, I led the work on Darfur, which was President Bush of the United States and Prime Minister Blair of the United Kingdom were captivated with helping Darfur. Now the same thing is happening in Darfur as in, in, in 2003-04, and nobody seems to notice. There's no end in sight to the crisis. International mediation efforts to reach a ceasefire have failed so far. Sudan is rich in raw materials – and the Rapid Support Forces militias control numerous gold mines in the country. The relationship between the Sudanese government and the United Nations has been tense for months. UN Special Representative to Sudan, Fokar Petez, quit his job after being declared unwelcome by the Sudanese government. Now Sudan has called on the UN to terminate its special mission there immediately. Egelin fears Sudan could sink into total chaos. A, a no ancient civilization, which is Sudan, has been torn to pieces, really. 24 million people need, need aid, and we are overstretched, underfunded. Our officers have been looted. We need help, really. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite dire, yeah, if, if you listen to the reports, that somehow the world is forgetting about Sudan because there's so many other conflicts happening, right? We can talk about what's happening in Gaza. We can talk about still the Russia-Ukraine war. So a lot of the aid is being diverted to areas like these. And now people in Sudan 
six million of them that have been displaced in just few few uh, months now, and it's it's just crazy, really. Yeah, you can sometimes yeah. really lose track of yeah. where to focus on at yeah. the moment or what to focus on. Yeah. Many thanks to uh, Jennifer Collins presenting that report by Anna Osius. Malawi's ministries of health and agriculture have been advised to heighten surveillance measures after detecting anthrax. The severe infectious diseases is an animal disease caused by bacteria found in hippos, cattle, sheep and goats. Yeah, now it is uh, transmitted to humans who come into contact with infected animals or animal products. Malawi has recorded a second case from Nzimba, a district that borders with Zambia, where over 300 cases have been recorded in humans. Chimwen Wipadatha has more on this report. Livestock farmers and other Malawians in border districts are now alert over the public health security threat now spreading in neighboring Zambia. Presently, the human anthrax has been detected in an 80-year-old girl, a single case that has ignited sensitizations on the disease. But the livestock farmers are not impressed. They are calling us people to stop consuming animals as of now, but they are not doing enough to vaccinate our animals or to say, can you go and buy this medicine or vaccination to prevent the disease? Control measures have to be put in our borders, especially these districts that are bordering Malawi, Zambia. In Mzima district, Malawi's northern part, meat products have been suspended in markets and movement of animals has been restricted. National epidemiologist in the Ministry of Agriculture, Dr. Gladstone Nikamwendo, told DW a team from the ministry is tracing all contacts of the confirmed case. We are still investigating. Our team went there. They haven't yet written a report what they have found. What really happened? How did they come into contact with the anthrax case? Uh, one of the transmission models is by eating or touching an animal which is infected with anthrax. At the moment, the anthrax is in Zambia, but it's a bit very far from borders of our country. We are encouraging people in that area. They should be on the arrest. Anthrax is an animal disease passed to humans when they get into contact with infected animals or animal products. Professor of Public Health and Epidemiology at the Kamozo University of Health Sciences, Adamson Mula, is now calling for collaboration between ministries of health and agriculture to contain spread of the outbreak. Complete the investigation and understand how this happened. And then, of course, relate that to the cross-border information exchanges between our Ministry of Health and the Ministry of Health in Zambia. Because that information is also helpful to Zambia itself. The disease can really affect Malawi. We need to maintain a very high sense of vigilance. Observe that. Be on the lookout. Ministry of Health spokesperson Adrian Jigombe indicates that health workers have already been deployed to ensure timely response and detection of any case. In our ports of entry, we're talking about the borders, also the airports, seaports, we have health personnel who from time to time are also alerted and make sure that uh, when we have information that there is, like in this case, anthrax from Zambia. So when, when people are coming in, they are normally tested for you know common signs like fever. Such signs are indicative of an illness. Some symptoms of anthrax are fever, chest discomfort, shortness of breath, cough and headache. Authorities are doing all they can to prevent the spread of the disease.
Chimwemwe Padata with this report from Malawi. That's and, right. <laughs> yeah, and now Eddie, you're already hearing the music, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's look at uh, some reactions to some more stories making headlines around the world. Mm-hmm. Let's start talking entertainment. Grammy winning superstar Damini Ugulu, aka Burner Boy, has emerged as the most streamed sub Saharan African artist on YouTube. Burner Boy has amassed 2.52 billion streams on the platform, surpassing the Tanzanian singer Diamond Platinum's. And that is quite an impressive achievement. Mm-hmm, that's quite a lot of numbers. WizKid mm-hmm. is number three on the list of most streamed sub-Saharan African artists on YouTube, followed by Congolese legend Fali Ipupa and Davido. The Nigerian quintet of Rema, CK, Flavor, P-Square and Techno complete the top ten. Mm, I, I, I love the way you said with passion Fali Ipupa. I know you kind of like um, Fali Ipupa songs. Yeah. I do. I do yeah. like the rhythm of it, like some yeah. Congolese rumba. I mean, that's that's pretty good for like just yeah. you know Friday dancing. Is there one that sticks time. sticks in your head? I would say yes. Which I one mean, is that? which which song? Yeah. Um, he has a song mm-hmm. called "Just Une Danse," but I oh, think yeah. it's more of a I think it's more of a romantic song. I, I guess see. it's more slow, but I you see. know it's like for chill evening. I'm gonna I listen guess. to it after the show. I've Got to know exactly what Zilia <laughs> listens to. But on uh, Boy chalking this uh, achievement, there's been some comments on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Michael Mukendi says, "Congratulations, young man! Your winning supports the young artist talents. Uh, don't be mean like Diamond, who just wants to flourish in riches. Not too sure. You sort of congratulating Benna Boy and somehow hating on Diamond Platinums. Come on, let's support each other. Yeah, let's support everybody here. Belinda Asante, however, is not really happy. She says, so claim African dancehall king Shatawale is not in the list. <laughs> yeah, it's because Shatawale from Ghana claims that he's a dancehall artist <laughs> and he's saying, oh, why is he not on the list? Well, Patrick Papigati says, the list is a Nigerian list. Ouch. Well, he's not wrong. Tony Onaga is saying, Imagine Peace Square still right there after several years apart. That proves a huge point. Yeah. He's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I would say yes. <laughs> Yannick, Yannick uh, from Ghana says uh, uh, Banku Banku brother will start blaming Nigerians for this now. Now, for Ghanaians, mm-hmm. you understand what this term is. Basically, trying to hate on Ghanaians that feel like they're doing good, <laughs> but clearly not good enough. Well, that's it for Showbiz or some of the other stories making headlines around the world. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I am Eddie Micah Jr. And I'm Zara Fröhlich. We're excited to have you back tomorrow. DW Mid for Minds.